when we anchor ourselves in purpose, when we know what our why is, it doesn't lessen the depths of heartbreak and trauma and loss, but it does help us find the way. It does give us an understanding of what our core values are and who we are as people. And so when those moments happen, because they will, it's inevitable, right? And we have to make that choice. We have something to anchor ourselves to and help guide us in that decision. Hey, everybody, it's Terry O'Connor. Uh, I'm a host of this season with a Rome from Home podcast, uh, represented from the Adventure Activist, one of the sponsors of this season. And today I'll be co-hosting the podcast with Andy. Andy, you want to introduce yourself? Hi, thanks, Terry. It's always a pleasure to be doing this with you. This is Andy Patrick. I'm the COO, uh, which is kind of chief cook and bottle washer, as my dad used to say, <laughs> at, uh, at Rome Media. So I... Uh, I handle a lot of different day-to-day uh, -day operational aspects of, of what we do at Rome, and it is a pleasure to be back uh, with you, Terry, and uh, yeah, let's get on with the interview. Andy, I, I wonder if you could introduce who our guests are and, and, and why we brought them on. Well, Mallory Wegeman and Jeremy Snyder are our guests, and they are our partners in many ways. Um, they are our partners in life, their husband and wife, their partners in business, um, bringing forth awareness um, that helps to change perception of disability uh, through the power of storytelling. I think very much what you experienced is what they're trying to, to put forth in the world more and more and more is, is to look beyond the disability and, and see the individual and see the accomplishments and the beauty of those individuals. And, and both Mallory and Jay, are just shining examples of just that. Uh, you, you know, you can get caught up in the stories of, of the medical treatment that left her paralyzed back in 2008. But I, I think more so is just the, the beautiful story and amazingly inspirational story of, of both of them and how they found their why and how they have embodied that so so greatly um, to to uh, to move forward with purpose, and so uh, they have a company TFA Group, which is a production company that's that is um, both supporting eight Paralympian athletes, and uh, as as more of an agency, if you will. But then they're working on multiple films, uh, both shorts and full length documentaries. And then they also have uh, just recently come out with Mallory's book called uh, Limitless. And so uh, it's just, it's such an honor to, uh, to be able to, to speak with them and to hear their, uh, their incredible stories. And, um, and like you said, to, to, to really meet them where they are, which is just two beautiful human beings that have a lot to offer us um, regardless of our situations. Yeah, yeah, uh, really great and excited about this conversation. And for another point of orientation, for those who don't know, Mallory is uh, one of the world's top ranked Paralympic swimmers. And after winning gold at London in 2012, she really continued to break records in the pool and has used her platform to help build uh, inclusivity in sport. And Jeremy, her husband, who um, thankfully was able to join, join us here today, uh, he's a director and producer, uh, as Andy had mentioned, and really the two of them 
them are focused on changing perception, raising awareness through film. And we'll get to that uh, towards the end of our conversation here today. Um, so we'll get on with the conversation in a second, but of course, we want to thank our sponsors, both the Adventure Activist and Rome Academy. The Adventure Activist is a nonprofit platform that produces unique stories and distributes free content to support the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And both Mallory and Jeremy are helping us with SDG Goal uh, Three: Good Health and Well-Being and Ten: Reduce Inequalities. And thank them so much for their work in that regard. And uh, yeah, let's just get on to the interview. Thanks so much for joining, everybody. Summer 2011, we were at the ESPYs, and Mallory was there being, uh, she was nominated for Best Female Athlete with a Disability uh, for an ESPY and won an ESPY. And I was sitting there in front of her parents at the time. Didn't know them. All of a sudden, there was a lot of hoopla, crying, laughing, excitement. And I turned around, introduced myself. They introduced themselves, and we chatted for a few minutes and kind of went our merry way. A week later, we we're in New York at an event leading up. It was one year to go to the London Games events in New York City. And there's Mallory Whelan on stage being interviewed by Dan Hicks of NBC. And I get goosebumps. I'm like, there she is again. <laughs> <laughs> and she's coming into my life. Like, there's a purpose for this. There's a reason. And I think what got me was the smile. That smile on her face is what lights up a room. You know, we talk about it a lot. You see photos of this journey of her over the last 13 years and seeing that confidence come out of her and that smile is what, what really connects with people. It's what connected with me. And here we are 10 years later, married, <laughs> you know, started a business together. And, you know, I think we found our why and it's, it's, she lights up a room, right? And, and you can see it and, and she connects in, in such a way that I've never seen anybody else connect with individuals. And it's because she leads with her heart, right? Mm -hmm. And that empathy, it's, it's that connection. And when you're vulnerable, you're most connectable. And, you know, she likes to joke, I was the ice king, right? I was the one guarded, <laughs> living a life guarded that I didn't want to open up because I felt that that was weakness and all this stuff. And, and she little by little chipped away at it, chipped away at it. <laughs> kind of turned it around and I'm, I'm the sappy one. <laughs> I was just interviewed, we were, you know, for, uh, for a project the other day and, and I was on a boat and, you know, the guys got me crying and it was one of those that just, you're talking and you're letting the emotions out and, and they're all raw emotions. And it's, um, she's got a way to her that really kind of brings out the best in people. Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, I remember seeing you at the BMW event. I just didn't know who you were. And I thought he was so stinking cute in his suit. I was like, who's that? I'm in the room trying to figure out who this guy is. And the fun part about that is then we didn't meet that day. You knew who I was just through seeing me at two events. I wasn't sure who you were other than this cute guy at the events. And I was in the middle of looking for representation and you had reached out and my dad actually met Jay first. But when we had our conversation, one of the very first questions I asked Jay is I asked him is why, like, why do you do what you do? What is it? And that's a question that I'm almost positive my dad asked you as well, because my dad is where I learned that from. And now I ask basically anyone and everyone what their why is. <laughs> and But I asked you and you talked about wanting to do your part to make the world a better place through what you're, through your passion. 
And I was sitting there on the telephone, still not knowing that this man I was talking to is the cute guy I saw at that event. <laughs> and I'm having a conversation and I'm thinking to how powerful that was in the alignment of what I also wanted to do. And as I was sitting there, I'm, I'm realizing literally on my rib cage, I have tattooed my dad's quote he shared our entire lives of you're the best, you can make a difference and you can change the world. And here I am talking to this, this individual and our conversation started to see if there was an alignment from a business standpoint. But as we're talking, I was like, wow, this, this person is, is so much more than just like, oh, let, let's, you know, let's form this business relationship. It's rooted in seeing impact as a currency. And that's what I align with in so many ways. And as we talked and got to know each other more, I've come to learn, obviously, then as we've fallen in love, that what you said that day is who you are. It wasn't just the company line, if you will. It's really how you've lived out your life and seeing what you, you've done for not just me, but a number of other Paralympic athletes and helping pave the way and create a brand for them and, and give them a voice in a world that so often tries to silence our voice as individuals with disabilities and, and doing that for no reason other than because you believe in us and you believe in others is contagious. I mean, I think that seeing people who are truly selfless in their endeavor and you hear people use that language and you know this is the most selfless person you'll ever meet and sometimes selflessness is kind of thrown around but there's no vanity in in what you do for you it's purely in seeing other people succeed and wanting to do what you can to make the world a better place and and you live by that every day and i think that that's just that's remarkable and that's contagious. And it, and it not just only inspires, but it empowers everyone that you are around. And I love that. And we get to do it together. And now we get to do it together. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Thank you for that both. Um, that was beautiful and perfect. You know, I'm curious, Jay, because if I remember correctly, you were an equity analyst or something, right? In financial services or what yeah. have you. What was it that brought that shift in you, you know, that moved from financial services to, to what you're doing now? Sure. So I always had a passion on the sports side, played collegiate football at Syracuse, uh, graduated a degree in marketing and finance and, and coming out, all my friends, everybody was going into finance. So it was one of those, well, I guess I should probably go down this path and, and I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, did it for two and a half years. And I could say I'm very proficient in Excel. And uh, <laughs> numbers, but outside of that, it was one of those I just, you know, every day I'd go home after 16 hours at the office and go, what am I doing? Am I going to do this the rest of my life? And I kept asking myself, asking myself and in looking inwards and, you know, all my friends were, why, why do you even, don't worry about it. Just make the money. We'll have fun. And, and, and don't, why are you worrying about it right now? You're 23 years old. And I'm like, no, I want more out of this. And, you know, from day one, I started continuing to network out in the sports side, sent letters to every NFL team, major league baseball team, foot, you know, just everybody. And next thing I know, I got a job offer for the NBA league office and it was in like data analysis, market research. And that was the time of their whole where amazing happens campaign rebrand and all that. And I got to go around and do focus groups and understand passion behind the game and really connect with fans and and for me it's like okay i'm kind of coming back into where i want to be right it's not about the money it's about the impact 
And little by little, then I met, uh, you know, my next job opportunity I was working for Mark Rockefeller, the Rockefeller family. And he started a new agency helping build legacies and brands for athletes, entertainers, uh, and celebrities from the Rockefeller family and how they did it, right? Really in that philanthropic angle. And that's where like the social impact, the early ages, you know, 2006, seven mm-hmm. of social impact, social, you know, entrepreneurship started coming about. And so I did that for several years and then kind of branched off on my own and said, this is where I want to be. Yeah. And so had kind of the, the mindset of marketing representation, working with athletes, but working with them in ways that, as Mallory said, wasn't transactional. It was very mm-hmm. partner driven of where can we make the impact and how can we dive deep? And then over the years, she was my first exposure to the Paralympic movement yeah. and you know saw a movement that it's budding. It still is. It's growing and it's growing astronomically right now over the last decade. Right now we have coming up on Tokyo, there's going to be 1,200 hours of coverage on NBC. 1,200 hours. That's amazing. Terry and I were talking about that before uh, we all got together here that as someone that's, I love the Olympics. I've always watched the Olympics. I was like, I've never really watched the Paralympics, you know? And so I'm really happy to hear that. And we will at Rome do everything we can to make sure that people know that that's going to be the case because it's it's exciting. You know, when, when I was a kid like you, you know, I, I was really into sports. I, I was a baseball pitcher and I can recall hot summer day, you know, bottom of the last inning or something and I'm pitching and it's a really tough situation, a lot of stress. And from the stands, I, I hear this PMA, PMA. And people used to always ask me, like, what in the world is that? And, and what that was, was my dad. And PMA was positive mental attitude. He would always reinforce in me this idea that you can do this. You can do this. You've got this. And it's one of the things that really struck me, Mallory, that the incredible influence of your family um, over all of these years from the, the thumbs up of your mom to, you know, the, the on, on vacation and, and, you know, this way or that way, all of these things that have provided you with the tools to, to move forward. Of course, not seeing the things that might come your way in, in life, we never do, but having those tools. And, and I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the importance of your family, but also maybe some insights or advice to those that maybe don't have that wonderful support, but have to draw from within. I feel extremely fortunate to have the family and community that we have surrounding us. I mean, from, from my family growing up to then having Jay come into the fold and his family now, and that family has just grown over the years and, and the support and the influence that they've all had on me has been you know, outstanding. I mean, you talked about my mom and her thumbs up, my dad and his quote, my, my parents and just the way they led us when we were kids and kind of led through example and, and showing us kind of the way through, if you will. And, and that had a profound impact on me as a young adult after my paralysis, how they wrapped themselves around me while also lifting me up and letting me go after my paralysis had a profound impact on me in my life following and, and kind of finding my way. And now to this point, as we've kind of built this, this larger family between Jay and I and our collective families, now we bring into the fold, 
his family's traditions and the things he grew up with and how those have also impacted this journey. And I think that one of the things I've learned as I've gotten older is the strength in, in taking little pieces from each stage and each experience and each person and building that into what, what makes you who you are, what makes us who we are. And I think that that has been such a gift because there's, there's a lot of pieces, nuggets, if you will, that I, I've been able to add to the arsenal to mm-hmm. be my kind of toolbox for situations in life. And I think that, that that same thing can be said if you don't have two extremely supportive parents and siblings and a spouse and their family. Same can be said if you don't have that community, you can, you can seek out those nuggets. You can mm-hmm. seek out that wisdom in different areas, whether it be through podcasts, whether it be through reading books, whether it be through leaning on mentors and coaches and colleagues, you can find those little nuggets and then you build them into your toolbox. And when those moments of adversity happen and you find yourself navigating through and having to make that decision of left or right at the fork, you can lean on that. And I, and I think that probably the most important thing that I've learned through this is kind of where this conversation started is why. And when we anchor ourselves in purpose, when we know what our why is, it doesn't lessen the depths of heartbreak and trauma and loss, but it does help us find the way. It does give us an understanding of what our core values are and who we are as people. And so when those moments happen, because they will, it's inevitable, right? And we have to make that choice. We have something to anchor ourselves to and help guide us in that decision. And, and so I think for me, you know, I am, I I would say I'm extremely fortunate to have the support that I have in my life and that we have the support we have in our life together. And where we are at is a direct relation to that support that we've been so fortunate to have. But I would say that there are ways that you can create that for yourself. If you're not fortunate to, if you don't have that as part of your circumstances, there are ways that you can still kind of go out and make it for, for yourself and build that toolbox by pulling from other people's wisdom in different areas, if that makes sense. And so that's kind of my biggest, my biggest piece of how do you take supportive community and make it your own as you grow? And, or if you don't have that as a part of your circumstance, how do you find a way to create that for yourself? It's uh, Terry, I'd sort of come in and ask you a question to, to cycle back on that. Um, you, you highlighted, I guess, your parents letting you go. And many people uh, highlight that as a challenge, both for if you're the supporter or if you're the person getting supported. And um, I imagine there was a lot of support seeing you through, obviously, the acquiring you know, the disability and navigating through that and picking up the passion to persevere and pursue your first Paralympic Games. But do you get a sense and to, to tie into this idea of why? I mean, do you feel your parents were able to let you go because they really started to see you solidify a sense of why you were doing this? Because so much of what the story is of this podcast has been really adventurers and athletes and professionals really exceeding for a personal why and achieving in a personal why, but it, every single person it translates to a larger why, which is um, way past. It's really more of a holistic goal about, uh, you know, altruistic path of using the levers they have to make 
a difference. And again, it's back to what you heard before, the purpose for all of this. When did you recognize that your parents were like, oh yeah, she's definitely got her why figured out. And that's when they kind of <laughs> let you let you off. And like, you don't need any help anymore. <laughs> you know, I honestly, I would actually say, I think the opposite happened. Mm. I think my parents found the strength to let me go so I could find my why. Mm. And I think that, let's just put it this way, we're not parents yet. We, we dream of it every day and someday we will, be, but we're not there yet. And I, I can't imagine what that must've been like for my parents. I'm sure someday we'll, as we have children of our own, we can somewhat maybe begin to try to understand what that could have been like, but I can't imagine what it must be like for a parent, both of them, but my dad in particular, who was with me the moment I was paralyzed, he was literally holding my hand when it happened Mm. to then have to say, Oh, this is my baby of three. And now I'm going to just let her off into the world after the worst thing we never thought could happen, happened to her the time, you know, for us, it wasn't the worst, but it was a pretty traumatic moment. And I I think that in a lot of ways, looking back by them finding that strength and courage to let go, let go in a way where they were still very much supporting me, but Mm -hmm. let me start finding my way. That is how I found my why. And, and one, one circumstance I think of immediately, I was kind of laughing as we're having this conversation of mom and dad letting go is I have vivid memories of wheeling into my parents' kitchen I was settled in a room downstairs. It was nine months after my paralysis. I was back in school that fall. It was a local community college because I still wasn't driving. It was 10 minutes down the road from their home. We had family and friends who were helping drive me to class, drive me to swimming and drive me where I needed to go for, for appointments. And in that time, in that semester, I decided I wanted to start looking at schools out of state. I wanted to get away. I wanted to go somewhere warmer before winter came. And I wanted to find kind of my way through this in an environment where everyone around me wasn't grieving as well. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to Gardner-Webb University in North Carolina, and I applied for academic scholarship, knowing that finances were probably going to be a conversation if I wanted to go away to school, considering everything that had happened. And I got accepted for spring semester and November I wheeled into my parents' kitchen at our home and we were making dinner and having dinner. And I told them about this school that I had found and in North Carolina, where mind you, we have no family, no friends, no support group. And, um, <laughs> and I really wanted to go check it out. And they're like, great. Why don't we look at maybe doing that over spring break? And I was like, well, I applied. Um, I got in, I got academic scholarship for spring semester starts the first week of January. It was like the middle of November. Um, and my parents kind of looked at each other and dad said, all right, let's see if we can get a flight on miles and we'll fly out and look at the school. And three weeks later we were on campus and we realized they didn't have an accessible dorm. There was a lot of things because an older campus and they'd never had somebody in a wheelchair on campus before. And disability services said, no problem. We've got warm weather and three weeks of winter vacation. We'll make it work. And they built a ramp. They redid a bathroom in the lower level of one of the dorms and they made it accessible and made the modifications that needed to happen. And first week in January, I moved into the dorm and my mom and dad got on a plane and flew home to Minnesota from North Carolina. And I celebrated the one year anniversary of my paralysis 
away at school competing for a division one NCAA swim team. <laughs> and that I think was the biggest moment of them having to let go of taking on this crazy idea and not once fighting on it, not telling me I'm not ready for it and allowing me to realize that I was strong enough to find my independence to do this. And I think through that process, I started finding my why. And thank goodness for their strength, because without that, who knows how, how long that could have taken me, that process that I was able to move through in that time. Who knows how delayed it could have been or if it would have ever truly happened. So it is, I, I think that sometimes for us to actually not even sometimes, I think all the time in order to find our why, and we talk about this, you have to first let yourself move through. You can't rush the process. You have to, you have to move through it and, and understand who you are to your core so you can answer that question. Yeah. And I guess maybe a follow-up on the why and, and finding out who you are and your, your core. And again, not to be dismissive of <laughs> so many of the athletic accomplishments in the ensuing years, but obviously what Andy and I are, are super interested in beyond all the records, beyond the medals, the Paralympic Games, going back again this year, congratulations. Um, <laughs> where was the why to engage in activism and awareness and trying to normalize conversation and representation with disabled athletes, but disabled individuals in general and in the public sphere and media. I mean, where did that start to grow for you? And did it actually happen before I, your success as an athlete? Because I, I don't know if it's a, if it was kind of a serial process or if it's been a parallel process for you this whole time. You know, again, I think that moving through what I did taught me a lot and it also highlighted a lot. And I, early on in my injury, the biggest struggle I had was feeling isolated, alone, and underrepresented. I felt like every which way I turned in our society, I didn't see a path forward. I didn't see myself represented in media, in entertainment. I didn't look to the professional world and see individuals with extensive resumes in their respective craft succeeding as living with a disability that was visual. I felt after my paralysis that that was going to be a moment where society now, because of that moment in time, looked at me as less than, pitied my existence, and or wanted to put me into the bucket of living life as a patient. And I, I resented that to every ounce of my being. And I, I hated that. And it made me frustrated and it made me confused and it made me angry. And that was where I really started figuring out like, how do I move against that? And early on, it was just personal things. All right, fine. Society says statistically after an injury, the likelihood that you graduate college, that you have a job, that you have a long-term relationship, that you get married, all these things is less and less, right? So I'm going to go do all those things. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to figure out what my why is so I can build a career for myself in the future. I'm going to put myself out there and find my confidence so I can start dating again and find a man that I can share a life with and like build that confidence to love myself enough so I can love another and, and move through that. And so the beginning stage of it, I would say was almost like my own internal activism mm -hmm. of trying to just build myself up and my confidence so I could have that voice for others. And, and then it built into what we're doing with TFA group and, and understanding that, you know, in, and I, we look at media and entertainment specifically, but 
the way in which we all form our realities or what we perceive to be reality is based on the perception of what's around us, right? And so if you look to your TV screen day in and day out and you watch scripted content or unscripted content, you watch the news at night and you never once see the disability community represented to you, you are going to have a different perception that forms your reality on what you see the disability community to be in our world. You are going to see that they're not contributing members to our society. The few times you do see stories of people with disabilities, it's going to be the end of news inspiration special where we're glorifying this idea that just our existence is inspirational and we aren't actually contributing in in a professional manner to our world. You're not going to see characters portrayed in scripted content in a way that accurately depicts disability, if at all. And so it's going to change how you perceive it. And now if you are an individual with a disability watching, it's also going to change how you perceive your own worth because you don't see anybody like you around you. And so that really was the impetus of of how we got to where we are Mm -hmm. and wanting to do what we can do to make sure that our next generation doesn't have to ask, what about me? That a disabled individual can be on a TV screen as a lead actor or actress, that an individual with a disability can be a national broadcast reporter and Mm. be telling stories of other people and not being the person that's always the subject of the story because they live with a disability. And I think that's really important because our society needs it. We're 20% of our society and we're the most underrepresented minority group and disability is a part of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And frankly, it needs to be at the forefront because in my opinion, it's civil rights. And, and I think we both believe that too. And so that's, that's where our passion for TFA group really comes in is how can we, how can we utilize our craft in our corner of the world and do what we do best to help be a part of that change and spark that conversation. That's great. So there was a story uh, that maybe you can touch on uh, quickly, and then I, I'd like to kind of circle back into the TFA group and the work that you're doing right now. But as a as a means to to really illustrate what you were just saying, I, I find that that many times, and and you said this, there's this internal dialogue that's happening. You know, you're you're trying to understand what's going on, and it's it's constantly brewing here and here, et cetera. And then there are these events, and there was an event that I remember reading about with Kelsey that really struck me because it, it was it was an event that I think helped, if I understood correctly, helped you to kind of solidify what had been going on in your head and heart and kind of brought it to the fore. Can, can you talk about that just briefly? And then maybe we can, again, segue into TFA in the remaining time. Yeah. You know, meeting Kathy was such a powerful moment for me. And for those who haven't had the opportunity to read Limitless, I I talk about meeting a young woman named Kelsey in 2012 after the games. And she was newly injured and still in rehab. And I I went to visit her. And it was my first time in a rehab hospital since I left one in 2008. And admittedly, I was still on my own self-discovery journey, if you will, asking myself a lot of questions and, and grappling with finding closure to a moment that didn't really present any closure to me. And I realized I had to find the strength to create my own due to the circumstances of how I was paralyzed. And that for a long time filled me with a lot of anger and frustration and confusion. 
And in 2012, going into the games, I, I found the strength to finally let go, to forgive everybody who was involved in that day and, and move forward with my life because it was time and I had to. And I knew I wanted to be connected to the disability community in a larger way, but I was still kind of in that infancy. Well, I had been injured for almost five years. For four of those years, I was asking myself some very, very deep questions as I tried to find my closure in this. And so coming home from, from the London games, sure, I was a gold medalist and that was all great, but I, I felt myself yearning for all these questions of why, why, why? Like, what's the meaning to it? Because I don't just want to be a Paralympic gold medalist. And that's not minimizing what it takes to reach that accomplishment, but it's got to be something more than just one fast race. And so I came home and you were actually with me. We went to visit Kelsey together. And I remember in that time I wheeled in and I had these boots that I bought. I went to the, I went shopping the day before and I bought these, you know, knee high leather boots and they had a heel on them. And I, I was wearing, you know, like a, probably a chunky fall sweater, my skinny jeans and my brown leather boots. And, and I wheeled in and, and her eyes lit up and she was like, you can wear heels. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how refreshing is this moment that not everything in a big life altering moment is big and life altering. Yeah. Some of it's as simple as what type of shoes do you get to wear again? And I, I think for me, that was really a reminder and an aha moment of sometimes your why is, is rooted in just little small, simple things. Like, yes, you can want to go change the world, but it's the little things you do that ultimately have the biggest impact and how you choose to show up and who you choose to be when you show up and the person that you are when you enter a room, if that's one person in a, in a rehab hospital or a room of 5,000 and you're getting on stage for a speaking event. You should show up the same and you should have that authentic self-awareness in who you are and bring that to everything you do. And I think that was kind of my moment where I realized, like, I don't need to go reinvent the wheel of who Mallory is to do what I want to do. I just need to stay true to who I am and then go and do what I want to do. And Kelsey in that moment gave me just that understanding that there is a space to make a difference and, and have an impact and, and be a positive voice in the disability community, even if it's down to wearing a pair of shoes that sparks somebody and gives them a little joy in that moment. And just having conversations of what life can be when you yeah. live with a disability. And then also sharing that with people who maybe aren't in the disability community. I mean, we do that every day in our relationship. You would be amazed the amount of comments we get because Jay is quote unquote, able body and I am disabled. Um, and it blows people's mind. I, I get comments all the time. He gets them more than he'd ever tell me. And it, it's, it's really fascinating. But I, I also love that by us just being us and just who we are without saying a word, just in our presence, we get to help mm-hmm. be that difference and, and lead by example for others who are kind of trying to figure their life and path out as well. Bravo. What, what really has struck me again over this last couple of weeks of, of reading the book and just getting to know more about both of you is, is that, yeah, to your point, what you're talking about, the lessons that you're sharing, the insights that you're sharing as individuals, as a couple, as an athlete, et cetera, they just, they completely transcend disability and adaptive sports and all of that. It, it's, we don't have time to go into it today, but I could talk to the two of you for hours about just your ideas around healing 
around uh, forgiveness. I, I, I mean, not to get too grandiose here, but I, I, as I was writing notes, I felt like, um, I don't know if you know Khalil Gibran's The Prophet, but where the, the, the crowd is saying to the prophet, like, could you speak to us about forgiveness, you know, or whatever, but I kind of feel like that. It's funny. Anyway, um, how about if if we segue a little bit here into into the work that that you're doing, Jay, um, with the TFA group, and maybe you can talk a little bit about the film and about the films that you're working on together, et cetera. Sure. So yeah, so TFA has kind of morphed. It started uh, you know as an agency, more on the marketing representation side over the years, and then kind of morphed in, I would say, 2016, 2017, being around commercial shoots and doc shoots and filming that we had an opportunity to kind of carve out our own niche. We were involved in it, we're around it, and there's a void. There's a void of content, there's a void of these stories being out there. And so in 2017, Mallory and I got together and said, well, why don't we do this together? You know, why, why are we siloed? We're in this, in this life together. Let's, let's build our, our family business. And so we, we formalized it and created TFA group where we're still representing about eight, eight Paralympians. And then really the premise of our, our company is on the storytelling. It's on creating documentaries, doc series, features, branded content, and really with the disability lens in helping change that perception of disability through stories and doing it at such a high level that we're bringing in some of the best directors, cinematographers, DPs, producers, and we're kind of guiding that ship to say, you know, nobody's doing it right now. Let's be leaders and let's show how it's done. And so we've been at it and we've been been working very, very hard. And, and right now we have several projects. Our first major film was uh, at the Pyeongchang Games. It's called Empty Net. It was on the sled hockey team. And we had a crew of about 10 over there. And it's the first time we're filming at a games. And so we're thrown right into it. Mallory's also working for NBC at the time. So she's wearing two hats. And we came out of it and we were given six weeks by NBC to have a 42-minute broadcast special called Empty Net and to air during the Stanley Cup. They said, can you do it? Without, without, without missing a beat, yep, we can do it. We were in the room and we just gave each other a glance and nodded our heads. Yeah. And we're like, do it. You know, if you're given an opportunity in prime time to yeah. have a special like that, you don't turn it down. So you then go back and go, okay, we surround ourselves with an amazing team that didn't sleep for six weeks. Mm-hmm. And that was really kind of our launch, right? Everybody, can, you know, you can talk the talk and until you produce something. And when we produce that, everybody goes, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're serious. And so from there, you know, we had fresh tracks come out and, you know, working on Adapted and, and building that out. And, you know, the next big project is Watershed. And it's a doc feature following her journey through uh, through the Tokyo Games, but more so not just, you know, Tokyo is kind of a through line, but uh, kind of getting deep into your journey. Yeah, Tokyo is a through line in it for certain, but it, it's addressing more the idea and the concept of self-discovery that we all go through in these Watershed moments of life, mm-hmm. right? And, and that transcends disability. And that's a lot of what we, what we do with our, with our work and production is finding ways to bring people in because it's like, you need to find ways to invite people into disability content, because I think it's, it's something that's just so new. And so bringing in that relatability factor is really important. And I think important in, in this conversation of changing perception is, it's not this world of us and them, like, we are one society. And so at the end of the day, yes, I live with a disability, 
but I'm also, I'm also a wife. I'm dreaming of being a mother. I'm, you know, a professional, I'm an athlete, I'm a daughter, I'm a sister, I'm a friend, I'm all these other things other than just a woman with a disability. I just happen to also be a woman with a disability. And I think that that's a really important part of this conversation when we talk about disability and through what we're doing and how we choose to build out the storyline within these, within these pieces is really understanding that we are all one. Sure, we have different set of circumstances, but this is not an us and them conversation. This is a we as one society. And so we really work hard through how we, how we formulate stories to really show that in a way that that's impactful. And, and we talk about it all the time. We say show, don't tell. Yeah. And, and that's a big piece and all these kind of underlying topics that are within is our hope as it's just this like very low key conversation starter that's happening that a viewer maybe doesn't even realize we're starting that conversation internally for them, but we just did mm-hmm. the way in which yeah. we visually storytell and or narrative from a narrative standpoint. So it's been, it's been really yeah, it's remarkable fun. to see the growth then. Yeah. Now we have, a, we have a seven year journey to LA, you know, we get the LA games as being a pinnacle for the movement, the Paralympics, but I think that has the ability to transcend and drive inclusion the disability community here domestically and globally. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I uh, cannot thank you enough. I'm so, so grateful for, for who you are and what you're doing. And we are going to be cheering you on with thumbs up. And, and also I know that uh, Rome will, and the Rome community will be well-informed of everything that you're doing. I, I highly recommend that people uh, get your book because I, it's it's an easy read. It's a fun read, but it's so deep and impactful. It really was for me. And so um, thank you again for everything. And we'll, we'll be cheering you on. Thank you. Thank you so, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much, guys. Now get in the pool. Yeah. <laughs> I know <laughs> it's I love swimming but I do have my days where the the workout I'm like this is the day where I don't want to see the workout before I show up because then I have like a little bit of dread on like ooh, that's gonna hurt (laughs) all right let's do it we we say all the time we get to we get to we don't have to we get to do this yeah and that's such a powerful perspective shift when you wake up and it's I I get to yeah. Well, yeah, both of you guys are certainly embodiment of turning obstacles into opportunities. So, um, yeah, obviously, thanks so much for being part of that conversation. And, and thanks so much for joining our small conversation to help you amplify this much larger conversation that, you know, our country needs uh, in regards to, to disability. And, and thank you, uh, as well as a physician referencing the data, because I don't think many people know that they could just go to the CDC and realize that 20% of the people living in this country are, are dealing with their own disability. So, you know, we are in a time and place where we need to normalize and include a lot more people that we are inviting into our common discourse, I guess, of what is normal. Um, yeah. So we appreciate the work that you're doing so much. Yeah. Well, thank well, you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. This yes. was yeah. awesome. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, thanks for making time for us and best of luck going ahead. Have a blast out there in, in Japan and Tokyo. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. Bye. Bye. See you. Thanks.
Wow. Great uh, conversation. Really, really cool to meet uh, both of them. And um, wow, what a pleasure it must have been to meet Jeremy before uh, Andy, I, I guess. And having that conversation, I mean, was there really, um, was a take home that you, you took from what they had to say or something you learned that you, you didn't know about with either one of them? Not sure about whether or not I, I you know, I, I knew about it or not, but what came through is, is just the absolute love that, that they have. Uh, for one another, and and how beautiful it is, how they're they're bringing those passions and that why, and their life together in in such a seamless way. I, I I'm just I I you know I said it during the the discussion, and I'll say it again: is that there are few people that I am just completely you know kind of blown away by, and I the more that I hear about their stories. Uh, the more blown away I am and just impressed and, and inspired and excited to know more. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a natural tendency to ask, how was that possible? I mean, if, if anybody wants to, you know, read or learn more about Mallory, there's plenty, um, uh, out on the internet in regards to recent films and shorts that they've done. We'll probably add some links here to the show notes, but her latest book that you had the pleasure to read limitless, I think really dives into it, but um, yeah. man, what a remarkable tale of uh, dealing with so much adversity, persevering through. And then beyond that, not only just personal pure perseverance, thinking about how to make purpose of that on a larger scale. And, and really her why is way, way, way beyond you know, her successes as an athlete. Um, and so interesting to see, you know, you know, Jeremy going through his own evolution too, with his career yeah. and how yeah. he wants to engage with his purposes and his talents. And the fact that they've been able to mesh that together in their relationship and make it a living embodiment, as you said, um, of this, why going forward is, is remarkable. Cause in some ways they don't have to say anything. Right. I mean, like she said, you just, we just show up together <laughs> yeah. and that tells the tale. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that's really wonderful. And I, I really, really hope that we get to see uh, more faces and hear more names uh, like Mallory as we go forward. And, and I really thank them so much for doing work and, and service of um, UN SDG goals, not only good health and well-being with her perseverance or disability, but certainly and foremost, reducing inequality, uh, which we need so, so much these days. So um, again, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Mallory, for, for all of what you did. Um, and what you are about to do going forward <laughs> still. Yeah. I don't know. Andy, do you have any other info you want to send people on to to learn more about their work and what they do? Well, as you said, I would highly recommend that people go out and get Limitless, the book. And I would uh, check out their website, which we'll have in the show notes, um, and see if if there are ways that you might be able to engage with uh, with Jeremy and Mallory in terms of their projects. Um, they have a lot of projects going on right now. And, um, and definitely watch those 1200 hours of the Paralympics that are coming up on NBC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. And thanks everybody out there for tuning in. Uh, if you've been sticking with us through this season, we really appreciate your engagement. Hopefully you are all, uh, finding your own why, uh, with listening along with us in this season and finding some extra purpose in your life. We would love to hear about it. Certainly you can send us comments both at Rome. Uh, or comments on on the podcast itself. And of course, one of the best ways you can help us out is to give us a like or give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, perhaps even more importantly is we would love to engage in the power of connections and uh, let your friend know about it. 
you know, let family know about it. If it's been inspiring to you, we would love to build this audience going forward. And we're already in discussions about continuing this for another season uh, going forward. So we would love to hear comments. We'd love to have you support us. And uh, of course, you can also go to theadventureactivist.org if you'd like to do a donation, uh, which is a tax deductible donation to help support the cause of this podcast currently and going forward into future years. Of course, I'd be remiss uh, to not thank Healy Cruz, our producer, uh, Evan Phillips, our man behind the scene helping with audio production, and everybody else in the team at The Adventure Activist in Rome for producing the podcast. Uh, we will see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much. <laughs>